Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's programs, as you may have heard yesterday, diagnostic services for animals are getting a funding boost from the Saskatchewan and federal governments. We'll hear from Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt on that. The bill to exempt grain drying and heating barns from the federal carbon tax is now in the committee stage. Bill C-234 passed second reading in the Senate this week, and now it goes to committee for further discussion. We'll hear from APAS President Ian Boxall as he hopes that this bill gets passed before the end of the month. The grasshopper season is off to an early start with a growing number of producers spraying the insects, more specifically in the western and southern parts of the province. James Tanzi is the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture Insect Specialist. He'll join us on today's program. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Beef and Forage Report. The rain that fell on the prairies this week may not be enough to stop the ongoing decline in Canadian cattle production. The size of the Canadian cattle herd hit its lowest level since 1988 last year at 12.3 million animals. Ranchers say that number could fall even further this year due to ongoing drought on the prairies and high feed costs. They say with cattle prices also at record highs right now, some producers might choose to sell their cattle for slaughter and make a quick profit rather than endure another dry year. Canadian cattle production has been declining for decades and there are now 25% fewer beef cows in this country than there were in 2005. Ranchers warn that fewer cows could cause ripple effects across the economy, potentially leading to lost jobs at feedlots, meatpacking plants, and more. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. GX94, Ag Review. 
Counselors in an Alberta community have declared an agricultural disaster. On Wednesday, Stetler County Council made the declaration after weather conditions dating back to the winter forced their hand. They say a very light snowpack with no runoff, combined with an early and extended heat wave and no moisture, are the reasons. Stetler is the first municipality in Alberta to declare an agricultural disaster this year due to drought. Around this time in 2022, four communities, Cypress County, Cardston County, Tabor and Willow Creek, had already made similar declarations. Counties declare agricultural disasters as a tool to make the provincial and federal governments aware of what's happening in that community. However, these local declarations don't unlock emergency funding programs. That only happens if the provincial government makes an ag disaster declaration. Two conservation organizations have teamed up to protect one of the largest areas of intact prairie grasslands and wetlands in Canada. The Nature Conservancy of Canada and Ducks Unlimited Canada say they are working to conserve McIntyre Ranch through conservation easement with its owners. The 130-year-old ranch south of Lethbridge, Alberta, spans more than 220 square kilometres. The two groups say the easement, when completed, will represent the largest private land conservation project to date across the Canadian prairies. B.C. is offering Metro Vancouver and Abbotsford farmers more than $1 million to improve food production and environmental protection. The funding is being offered through the Delta Farmland and Wildlife Trust for programs focusing on soil health, carbon capture, biodiversity and ecosystem enhancements. The total funding of $1.5 million is part of a federal-provincial partnership program aimed at improving Canadian agriculture's competitiveness and resiliency. The programs offered by the Trust include the covering of crops after the summer harvest to improve soil quality and prevent winter erosion. Bayer has agreed to pay $6.9 million U.S. to settle claims by the state of New York that it misled consumers by advertising Roundup, which has been linked to cancer, as environmentally safe. The settlement resolves accusations that Bayer and its Monsanto unit failed to substantiate their repeated claims about Roundup products containing the active ingredient glyphosate. These included that Roundup won't harm anything but weeds and do not pose a threat to the health of animal wildlife, as well as suggestions in since-removed YouTube videos that Roundup was safer than detergent and soap. New York says the claims violated state laws against false and misleading advertising and breached Monsanto's 1996 settlement with New York over its advertising of Roundup at the time. The $6.9 million will be spent on reducing the impact of pesticides on pollinators and aquatic species. Bayer did not admit or deny wrongdoing. Australia is expecting a positive decision over the next two weeks from China to fully settle a dispute over barley tariffs. In April, Australia said it would suspend a case at the World Trade Organization over China's anti-dumping duties on barley, while China said it would hasten a review into the tariffs. China's hefty anti-dumping and anti-subsidy duties on the Australian product date back to 2020, 
during a period of souring relations between the two countries. Canada since then has been among the barley exporting nations to see additional demand from the world's top barley importer. As diplomatic tensions ease between the two countries, Australia has been urging Beijing to lift trade curbs. China, Australia's biggest trading partner, has already removed the ban on citrus and stone fruits imports. New research from the North Carolina State University offers some hope to fruit growers who have struggled with a damaging fruit fly. The study published this week in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences describes how the researchers manipulated the insect's DNA so that female offspring would be sterile. Genetically modifying insects as a form of pest control isn't a new idea, but the technology hasn't taken off as widely in agriculture because pesticides have been cheaper and easier to use. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. It's time now to head back out once again to Danny Ismond. And we are at Countryside Motors. That's 569 Broadway Street East, inviting you to come on out. It is customer appreciation barbecue time, and we still have some hot dogs on the go here if you want to come on down for that, and all the proceeds going to the Terrier Dressing Room Renovations Project. So we would love to see you down for that one. And, of course, if you have any questions for their trailer needs, they just got a full shipment in here. Like Jeff was saying earlier, it's it's nice to see the lot nice and full here once again. So if you have any questions, you'd be glad to answer those, uh, whether it is uh, stock trailers, maybe it's uh, car equipment hauls, uh, dump truck or dump trailers, goosenecks, utility, and clothes trailers. They got it all covered. And of course, remember, this is location for the GX94 5K, the easy way. And you can enter in. Somebody here today that stops in and enters in will be getting their name into and they will get to the VIP party. August 31st at the Panhandle Casino, where somebody's going to win $5,000. I also have some rider tickets for tonight's game if you're interested in going for that. Riders and the Bombers, we'd love to see you here. So stop in. It is a great day. We're having a lot of fun with the Customer Appreciation Barbecue at Countryside Motors in Yorkton. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's partly cloudy and 19 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Diagnostic services for animals are getting a funding boost from the Saskatchewan and federal governments. $18 million will support prairie diagnostic services over the next five years. Agriculture Minister David Merritt says it's an increase of $400,000 from the funding under the previous Canadian Agricultural Partnership. And really it's important for us to have this investment uh, in, with Prairie Diagnostic Services as it looks into all aspects of li- the livestock sector and the poultry sector. When we look at, obviously, animal health, uh, disease uh, control, and all the diagnostics around that as well. So it's very important for us, as obviously the livestock and poultry industry is, uh, is a big part of of the ag uh, sector here in the province of Saskatchewan. Sustainable CAP will provide $3.6 million per year over five years to the not-for-profit organization. Well, really what it does, it really helps provide uh, for disease diagnostics, obviously surveillance, obviously new research and uh, for both animal health and animal welfare. And it really uh, plays into all aspects of it. Uh, you know, if we were to have an African swine fever outbreak, and it's just uh, how the, the veterinary service and how that all works together 
if we saw it even being used with avian influenza that we had uh, last year and what happened there too as well. So it's really important for us to have the prairie diagnostic services. Uh, it's really in, in the control of diseases, the monitoring of it, working with our veterinarians and uh, obviously really to protect public health uh, and our trade. I mean, we're a trading province, so we want to make sure that we are in full control of, uh, you know, animal welfare and animal health as well. So it's important for us, um, both from a diagnostic side and also from a research side as well. Prairie Diagnostic Services is located at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. On another topic, Merritt also reacted to this week's Bungie Viterra merger announcement. Well, obviously, you know, we don't know the full details yet. Uh, you know, I, I heard about it uh, uh, yesterday. I had a call from uh, Viterra and had a discussion uh, with those folks and uh, we just see how it all rolls out. Obviously, they don't know all the details either, and uh, we will be watching this one. We see that there's some good synergies here with uh, Bungie and Viterra. Viterra obviously has a lot of facilities across Western Canada and globally, by the way. They have, obviously, uh, facilities in other countries as well, plus they have port capacity as well. So, you know, we see that this could be uh, a good fit for Bungie and how it all works, but we don't know all the details yet. And We'll just see how it all works out, and we'll look forward to communications with Bungie in the near future as well. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt talking about funding for Prairie Diagnostic Services, as well as his reaction to the merger between Bungie and Viterra. Please stay tuned. Your livestock market conditions are next. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 171.72 today. That's up 65. October live cattle closed at 175.35, up one full cent. August feeder cattle closed at 234.92, up 80. September feeder cattle closed at 238.17, up 65. July lean hogs closed at 92.85, up 92. August lean hogs closed at 90.67, up 37. And that's the livestock market conditions. The grasshopper season is off to an early start with a growing number of producers spraying for the insects. James Tansey is the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture insect specialist he says there are 11,000 grasshopper species in the world, including 85 in Western Canada. However, only four of those species cause significant damage to crops. The main one in this province is the two-striped grasshopper. Females can be large, and once again, you know, uh, up to 40 millimeters, 1.6 inches, or slightly larger in some cases. It depends on their nutritional input as young. So they do prefer lush habitat. So heavier textured soils, forbs, but they are generalists. And push comes to shove, they will feed on other different plant species. Grasshoppers are developing quickly under the current weather conditions. And I am seeing the hatch proceeding in central and south central regions for lesser migratory. Uh, I haven't seen them in the southeast and haven't heard reports of them in the southwest. But uh, I'll have a better idea soon, so... It's very warm right now. They're going to be ripping through their development very quickly. So it's going to be the short end of that. 
Tansy talks about the two-striped grasshoppers. Eggs start to hatch about eight to ten days ahead of migratory grasshopper, and it was well ahead this year. So these animals were actually hatching about eight to ten days ahead of schedule. So about second week of May, third week of May, we were getting reports of large numbers of nymphs coming up and oftentimes damaging, so that required spray. Third instar nymphs, second instar nymphs, causing enough damage to warrant spray. Once again, the migratory behavior of both nymphs and adults, these tend to invade from field edges. They're going to overwinter. They're going to be laying eggs in ditches and roadsides and moving into crops from those. But once again, they can move great distances. Tansy notes the two striped grasshoppers will often move from crop to crop. You will see grasshoppers in a field happily munching away and then they can just move. And reason being is in the case of some, especially the pest grasshoppers, generalist grasshoppers, they have a little switch in their brain where they'll munch on one species of plant and then they're obliged to switch to another species of plant. They don't get everything they need from any one species of plant and so it behooves them to switch hosts. So they can move in sometimes large numbers from host to host. So it's something to watch for as well. A less common species is the Packard grasshopper. These ones prefer open habitat, light textured soils as a rule, blue tibia again, and uh, greatest pressure in the northern range. And these ones really like legumes. They tend to prefer lusher plants and will feed on small grain cereals, but they do prefer legumes and can be a real problem in some uh, legume crops. We haven't seen big numbers of Packards in the past couple of years, with the possible exception of some pockets near Saskatoon but it's always one to keep an eye out for. Tansy says not all grasshoppers cause crop damage. He provides a couple of things to look for. Brightly colored hindwings is a real good giveaway that you're not dealing with pests. Uh, noisy flyers, these are adults in the fall or in the late summer, not typically pests. They are herbivores, they are large animals, but they're typically feeding on, on grasses and ditches and uh, you know, native grass species. There are some fungal pathogens that reduce grasshopper populations, but Tansy says the insect does have a self-defense mechanism. They will actually engage in basking once infected to raise their internal temperatures right up into the 40s, and this is going to reduce the success of the fungal pathogen. So grasshoppers really like it warm as a rule, and they will raise their internal temperatures to fight off sickness. James Tansy is the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture insect specialist. Coming up in one minute's time, he will talk about economic treatment thresholds for grasshoppers. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. We now return to the interview with provincial insect specialist James Tansy, who runs down the various economic treatment thresholds for grasshoppers. For small nymphs, the economic uh, threshold in crop is 30 to 45 per meter square, and we have certainly seen populations in that range. In the ditch, 50 to 75. Given the conditions this year, I would err on the, err on the low side. That is uh, warm, a lot of activity, and with uh, commodity prices being what they are. So, yeah, I would err on the side of 30 in crop, 50 in ditch. For adults, generally 10 to 12 per meter square. You do see recommendations of 8 to 10, you know, so look at 10 per square per square meter as a, as a good general guideline. And that needs to be gauged case by case under most growing conditions for uh, most crops. For canola and soybean, they're, they're, they're more tolerant to foliar damage, so 14 per square meter is our guideline for that. 
if they're munching on pods, obviously that's the cash component of those crops. So uh, you're going to want to weigh those case by case. Typically, canola is not a preferred host plant of these animals. Though, again, push comes to shove, everything's on the menu for some of these species. We've got a couple of crops that are particularly sensitive. So flax in bowl, grasshoppers can go right underneath that bowl and clip it. So that's knocking off the money part of the plant. So obviously low tolerance for grasshoppers in that crop and lentils in flour. So two per square meter in both of those crops. Flowers are particularly sensitive, as are early development pods. And some of these species, particularly packards, really likes to munch on early pods. So keep an eye out for those at low numbers. James Tanzi is the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture insect specialist. His comments come from a webinar that was held on Wednesday. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. July canola closed at 733.30. That's up $18.20. November canola closed at 710.40, up $17.40. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 853 and a half, up 20 and three quarters of a cent. July Kansas City wheat closed at 8.42 per bushel, up 29 and a quarter cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 6.88 per bushel, up 26 and a half cents. July corn closed at 6.40 and a quarter, up 17 cents. July soybeans closed at 14.66 and a half, that's up 38 and a quarter cents. July oats closed at 404 and a half, up one and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. It's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. Well, we are at Countryside Motors, uh, that is 569 Broadway Street East, and we're joined with Jeff Swirling once again. And Jeff, you've had a great turnout here already today. Super fantastic. That's the only th- words I can to describe what's gone on here this this morning early afternoon yeah once again thanks to GX and uh, my radio sales guy there Devin and yourself Danny and thanks to all the people that came and uh, talked to me and asked questions and supported the boys uh, the junior A club Uh, it's a big deal for these boys to have something nice coming up here this next year and the support's been overwhelming over the last while and and uh, uh, today's barbecue just explains that there's guys that throw a hundred dollar bill into the pot here and there you know so people are excited when they when you start talking about stuff like this well and i we were talking i was talking about it a little bit earlier when you are going to improve uh, things like the dressing room and the facilities it makes it easier to recruit players too so it, it goes into a better product and nice as well for us to watch Absolutely. Like, you know, that is one of the big things is to make something nice for a guy to come into the rink and have your coach be able to take your that player from said town, whether it's Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, wherever the fellow's from, to take him to the room and, and, you know, show him what York and Terriers are all about by starting of their dressing room. Their 60-70% of their day is spent there, so it's important that they have something nice. Alright, well, you know what, if you want to come on down here, uh, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not quite done celebrating yet. You still have some draws to make here later this afternoon, too. Yeah, we got some draws left here, We uh, and you know what? 
I'm here to sell trailers too. So if you need a trailer or something, give me a call. It's 621-7383 and I'll help you out as best as I can. All right. There's the invitation for you. We'll see you on down here and it's all happening at Countryside Motors in Yorkton. <laughs> Farm Bulletin Board. Canadian cattle producers are funding research to quantify the environmental benefits provided by livestock producers. Projects examining cow-calf and feedlot production will develop data to provide to senior government policymakers. It's hoped this will counter the prevailing message from certain animal rights groups that cattle production is harming the environment. A lot of research is being done in the Saskatoon region at the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence near Clovette. Here's Centre Director Scott Wright. There are a number of components, virtually all the way from the facilities themselves, right into animals in the pasture, looking at emissions with different types of crops. And so if I back up a little bit, the facility was set up on a green field with sensors underneath it in the first place to be able to track moisture and nutrient trends see what's happening literally as a result of different pen types, for example, and different footings. So at the feedlot stage, we've got new data that province will be able to use for intensive livestock operation siting. The efficiency side of that conversation comes back to say all the way from the cow-calf right up to the feedlot end of things, there's work that's been looked at around greenhouse gas emissions and efficiency and a few different ways of approaching this. So Dr. Larder's got work on different grazing system types and the emissions, the water recycling, the nutrient cycling, basically all of the elements of regenerative agriculture are a part of the research and a part of the studies that go on. He says one of the ways to reduce greenhouse gas emissions is through feed rations. And that feed ranges, as I say, all the way from the type of grazing system that that animal's using, the type of, of what they're grazing, all the way through to what's being fed in the feedlot and the emissions associated with that. Wright explains how far along they are with their research. So backing it up on the facility side, there are hard numbers going to government. So the way the feedlot has been run and the environmental pieces associated with it, feedlot design and the outflow, if you will, from the feedlot itself. Those numbers are going to government. The work that I spoke of in terms of the grazing system, Dr. Lardner's work, as I understand it, they're wrapping up the data this year. And so it will be probably yet another 18 months to two years before that data goes through the assessments. All of the lab work is done and the opportunity to, to provide those conclusions come. He says when it comes to forming policy, nothing beats hard data. Absolutely. I think it's cornerstone for informing the, the policy formation into the future. And again, I emphasize LCE has the opportunity to take it all the way from soil plant interface and microbiome associated with the plant to the plant animal interface and the things associated with that. And then finally at that animal stage, right from cow-calf right through to the feedlot. He notes the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence is holding its annual producer field day this coming Tuesday, June 20th. Wright says it's an excellent opportunity for producers and research scientists to exchange ideas and information. He outlines what cattle producers will see at next Tuesday's field day. This uh, field day we've got coming up on June 20th, 
they'll have a chance to see everything from precision manure application and the implications for cropping and environment relative to that. We'll have a look at forage and specifically forage and salinity situations, some of the tools used in that breeding and selection program. We'll go down to the science side. We'll spend a little bit of time, I call it on the nerd side of genomics. So looking at how we can create tools that happen in the field and shoot side to look at the genomic side of the animal. We use genomics on efficient cows, making sure we've got animals on the cow and cow-calf side that are as efficient as possible as we move them forward. We'll also look at things like fiber digestion around those cows and how that helps create that efficiency. Still on the beef cow side, we'll spend a little bit of time on things like injectable minerals, long-term mineral status for those animals, and the use of co-products like canola fat in helping those cows through winter as they're carrying that calf. On the feedlot side, we move into a few areas. Visual assessment for BVD and now making sure that we're catching animals as they run into those diseases. We look at new forages, new feeds like hybrid ride is a real opportunity, we think, in those fall seeded crops and specifically this hybrid ride as a way of helping out in the feedlot. And we'll talk a fair bit around ergot as well. How much is too much? What are the effects that we see of ergot in the feedlot? And really a tremendous foundation of research with uh, Dr. Ribeiro. And he adds that the pasture conditions at their research center are in pretty good shape right now. I think the timely precipitation is the right words. It's looking tremendously green. The forage crops are coming along openly. I'm seeing them mature a little quicker than we expect, but definitely good moisture this year and some good productivity. Scott Wright is the director of the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence. The centre is holding its annual producer field day on Tuesday, June 20th. It'll run from 9.30 in the morning until 3.30 in the afternoon, and it includes lunch. There is no cost for producers, but pre-registration is recommended. Simply go to the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence to register online, or you can phone Lana at 306-966-1934, and she can help you out. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly sunny, winds west-northwest at 15 to 25 and a high of 22 degrees. For tonight, mainly clear, winds northwest at 10 to 20 and diminishing, a low of 13. For tomorrow, partly to mainly sunny, winds south-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of 24 an overnight low of 12. For Sunday, partly sunny, winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, a high of 27. For Monday, some early cloud with a 20% chance of showers near sunrise, otherwise partly sunny, with showers returning in the evening, a high of 25. And for Tuesday, a 70% chance of rain becoming heavy at times, a high of 23. In the Paw, it's 20 degrees, 
Swan River, Dauphin, and Brandon are at 18. Show Lake Russell, 15. Roblin, 16. Regina and Hudson Bay reporting in at 20 degrees. Saskatoon is at 21. Broadview, Mooseman, 17. Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 18. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a north-northwest wind at 24, gusting to 37 kilometers an hour. 53% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.